to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you for every missions that we support, God, both globally and locally. And God, we thank you. That's just the beginning of God, what you're going to cause us to be able to do. God, I just really speak this prophetically right now, that from this house, out of Heartsease Family Life Church, we're going to literally send millions every year to missions throughout this world. That literally millions are going to come out of this house. Why? Because you're going to bless this house. Because God, that's your heart in order to give. And God, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts as we receive the word today, that God, you would touch us and change us in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. So Missions May, this whole month we've been gearing to missions and we're so excited about that. We talked the first week about being the one. Come on, say that with me. Being the one that touches someone. Come on, help me out. Being the one that touches someone. We realize that there's the one out there, that every one of us has that one. And unfortunately, that one could be the one that a lot of us have kind of shied away from and said, God, send someone else because it's too hard or God, I don't have what it takes. But I really believe we have what it takes and it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And I realize that there is a one out there. I wonder if you've identified in the last couple of weeks after hearing the message, I wonder if you've identified that one. I wonder if you've looked and realized, wow, that's the one that I need to touch and impact in my life. You see, Jesus left the crowd to go after the one. And he's calling us to do the same thing. You see, Jesus met the one. Say with me, one. Jesus met the one that we so often, what? Forget. He met the one that we forget. And we've got to realize that in our lives. We can so easily overlook people. We can easily discredit people. We can say, oh, someone else will come across their path where God has purposely sent you. And we must realize that God has called us to reach the one. So then on the Wednesday night, we talked about, well, what can I do? Have you ever felt kind of overwhelmed when you look at all the needs there are? Come on, is anyone with me? You kind of feel overwhelmed when you hear all the needs and, and you kind of say, well, what can I do? And you almost feel so buried and no matter what you do, sometimes seems like it's never enough. But that's okay because we realize that God has asked us to follow him down the road. Look what it says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 32. Jesus said this to him. Who was the him that he's talking about? He's talking about blind Bartimaeus. And Jesus says to this, to blind Bartimaeus, he says, Go your way, your faith has made you what? Whole. And read on and it says, And immediately he received his sight. Now hold the applause. Because he received his recite and, say with me, and. 
there's more. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, there's more. I wasn't the greatest at English at school. Still not the greatest. In fact, spell check still doesn't get most of my words. Anyone with me in the house with that? You know, and they need to invent a spell check for those who really can't spell really close. But you know what? One thing I've realized is this and is a connecting word. So the Bible says that immediately he was well and something's connected. Come on. You know what I mean? Peanut butter and come on cookies and come on. Someone said ice cream. I heard you. Come on, I like that too. But you know, chips and dip. You look at all these things. So we see as a result of a change, there was an and. As a result of God impacting your life, there's got to be an and. The Bible says, and he immediately followed Jesus on the road. I like how the New Living Translation says, it says he followed Jesus down the road down the road. And we're called by Jesus to take our road. Come on. We're called by Jesus to take our road. And here's the prayer that most of us pray. God, I wish you would touch my family. Here's the prayer a lot of us pray. God, I wish you would send someone else to witness to all these guys I work with or girls I work with because God, they really need you. Hold on a second. God has sent you. That's your road. Come on. That's your road. That's your place. That's your sphere of influence that God has sent you to. So guess what you need to do? You need to function in that. Instead of praying for God to send someone else, you need to realize God has already sent the missionary. It's you. He's already placed you where you need to be. And I love what Pastor Gustav said. Don't worry about the screen. It's good. I love what Pastor Gustav said. Pastor Gustav said this on Sunday or Wednesday night. He said this, you may be the key to somebody's door. Think about that. You are the key to somebody's door. Your life can make a difference. And I want to continue that thought as we look at Missions May, because yes, thank God for Nicaragua. Thank God for Cape Town, South Africa. Thank God for Moldova. Thank God for these other missions that we support all over this world. But you know what? What about our world? What about our responsibilities? What about where God has placed us? And that's why I'm going to preach a message today called God Move. God Move. I wonder if you've ever prayed a prayer like that. Just plain and simply, God, would you move? Anyone ever prayed that prayer? Come on, God, would you move? I wonder what we really mean when we pray that. Do we mean, God, would you move to Georgia? Does that mean, God, would you move from heaven to earth? God, would you just move upon their heart and change them? You know, sometimes, come on, let's just be real. Sometimes when we pray, God, move, we really say, God, would you just get off your butt and do something? That's what we pray and that's what we believe. And you know, many times, even if we maybe don't verbalize it, that's what we are. But you know what? I've discovered something with that prayer, God move. It's not a bad prayer. In fact, it's a prayer that we need to pray for God to move in our lives, for God to move circumstances and situations. And he answers that prayer. And we're going to be discovering today how much God does want to move. But here's what we've got to be careful of. We've got to be careful with the motive behind the move. We've got to watch what we are asking God to move because here's the problem. Many times we want God to move in the way that we want him to move. Went quiet in the house. God, I wish you would touch her life in my marriage I'm speaking because then I don't have to change. God, would you move them 
Well, what about you? You notice how wrong we can get in that prayer? That we can say, everything's right with me. I want to be in control. And then we have the audacity when things don't go right and God doesn't move in the way we try to control him to move. Then all of a sudden we blame him for that. I wonder how many times we blame God for things that he had no control over in the first place. That he didn't instigate, he didn't start. You were the one that forced that to take place. And if by chance, miraculously, it does work, we take all the credit for it, but then we sell God out so quickly when it doesn't. I want to show you today the four ways that I really believe that we need God to move in our lives. Four ways that we need God to move in our lives. Number one, in us. Number two, through us. Number three, around us. And you better shout at the fourth one because that's in spite of us. Come on, I need God to move in spite of me. I would love to tell you that I get it right every time, but I have some bad days. Come on, anyone else with me? Come on, help me out in the house. I don't get it right all the time, but I'm so glad that God can move. In spite of me, I know what it's like to stand up here and just can't wait till the end of the message because I just feel like I'm stumbling through it all. And, and as soon as I say amen, it's like I want to make a beeline for the door. I want to jump in my car. I want to get home, get in my bed, put the pillow over my head and go, ah! It's been a lot of times I've felt like that sometimes because, you know, you just sometimes don't feel you get away. And then you get the calls and the texts and people begin to say, wow, that was one of the most powerful. And I'm like, thank God for your faithfulness that in spite of me, come on, God, you still moved. In spite of me, we had an in spite of me, what, about a month, six weeks ago. Pastor P, if you weren't here, threw up on the platform in the middle of my message. How many was here for that? How many tried to forget that? (laughs) But in spite of me, even throwing up in the middle of my message, came back, preached the rest of the message, we saw six people give their lives to Christ that day. Come on, aren't you glad in spite of you that God can move? So we're talking about today, we're talking about that God wants to move. But God is looking for candidates. God is looking for people to move upon. He's looking for people to move through. He's looking for people to move around. He's looking for you and I. He's looking for people who are willing to put aside their agenda and serve Him. He's looking for people that will push aside their limitations and trust Him. I wonder how many times you said, if only I knew more of the Bible, I could touch people. I wonder how many people have said, if only I was saved longer, if I only had more money, if I only had more position and influence, then I could. That's a limitation. I want to tell you right now, God's looking for people who will push aside their limitations and trust him. You know what else God is looking for? God is looking for those who will shake free from their past life. You know the things that we did and the mistakes and the things we're not proud of? Come on, put your hands up in here if you know that you've got a past life. Anyone got a past life? Wrong. Every single one of you, because if you're a child of God, you've got no past. Come on, the Bible tells us that. As a child of God, you've got no past. You've only got a future in God. Only got a future in God. And that future begins today. But a lot of people look at their past and say, but you know what? I did this. I did that. Listen, Satan may remind you of your past, but God can use it as a great testimony for your future. It's an experience that you've come through that you can help other people avoid going through it. But if they are on that pathway, you can give them hope that they can make it through. Because if God can change you, my God, he could change anyone. 
So God is looking for people that would realize it's not about us, but it's about him. It's about him being great and him being good. And I'm ready to preach this message today and I pray that you would receive this. So point number one, here it is. God, I need you to move in me, in us. Here's the thought. A life changed is a changed life. Because of the change that took place in you through salvation, guess what? Something now is continuing to take place inside of you that you will never be the same. Too many people make the decision of salvation and then they don't go any further. We talked about that last month or the month before. But what we're talking about is the experience of salvation. Every day God wants to change me. There's still things in my life that God needs to deal with me on. I know some of you may lose your temper really quick. That's something that God needs to deal with you on. Some people, you know, you're still struggling and this and that. God is still dealing with you, but God wants to work in you. He wants to work in us. He wants to do something inside of us every day. He wants to make us more Christ-like. He wants to make us more into His image. And I want to read a scripture to you today. It comes from John chapter 8. And we're going to read verse 31 through verse 36. And the Bible tells us this. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, if you've got your Bible today and you've got a pen because you should be taking notes, I encourage you, underline abide. Underline that word abide because that's a key word. If you abide in my word, you will be my disciple indeed doesn't say if you kind of just flirt in and out. It talks about a commitment, a staying in the word of God. Verse 32, and you shall know the truth. Underline that word, no. You shall know the truth and the truth, here's the thought, that you know shall make you free. Now, the thought of knowing God's word is not just in knowledge. Of course, we've got to understand it in knowledge, but it's also in implication or application. It's in putting that which we know to work in our lives. So it's not enough to sit down and say in your mind, I know I shouldn't do this while you're doing it, because that's not going to stop you. You've got to put your thoughts with your actions. Do I hear an amen? So you've got to follow through those things. So let's read on, verse 33. And then they answered him. They said, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Here's us a lot of times. What we just read right there is us. Because what we try to do is we try to justify every one of our actions, our thoughts, our words. And we try and say, well, we're not as bad as everyone else. Hold on a second, God, we're this. That's what these people are trying to do here. They're not understanding that God says you need to be free. And if you know the truth, they're going to say, well, I've never been in bondage. How many times are we like that to God? Come on, God, I don't need you. I'm this. Again, we don't say it verbally, but the actions of our life say that. And Jesus addresses them and he says to them, Most assuredly, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Jesus just slammed them right there. You think you're free, but have you sinned? Every one of them that day would have had to admit it, I've sinned. Jesus said, then if there's sin, then you're a slave to sin. But notice what he goes on to say. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Did Jesus call us to be his slave or did he call us to be his son? He's called us to be his son. 
And therefore to abide with him forever. Not to come and go, but to stay with him forever. In verse 36 it says, Therefore, if the Son has made you free, or if the Son makes you free, there's a process. But as the Son makes you free, guess what the Bible says? You shall be free Indeed, doesn't talk about the pastor, doesn't talk about the person who's been saved for 25 years. The Bible says you, you and I have the ability to be free in God. If sin is restraining, if sin is mastering your life, if it's enslavering you today, I want to tell you today that Jesus and his power that he has wants to set your life free. He wants to break every bondage, every stronghold, everything. I just talked to someone this Wednesday night at church and it was just a young guy who was here at church and I just really encouraged him, said, so great to see you here. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor P, I'm exhausted. I said, why? He said, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this pressure and these addictions and these struggles. And it seems like I do good for 10, 12 days and then I fall flat on my face again. And he said, I'm at the point right now where I've said, what's the point? I'm just going to give up. I said, never give up. I said, that's what the frustrations and the trials want to do is to make you quit. Because if you quit, you'll never get to your victory. But what I encouraged him to do is this. You keep trusting in the fact that as a child of God, you are free. You have the power to break free because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells inside of you. Read 2 Peter 1 verse 3. He says he has given us everything that pertains to life. God has given us the ability, the grace in every one of our lives to break through. And I told him, you just got to keep on going. I said, you're free and the enemy wants to keep you bound. But you've got to realize that you are free in God. You just got to start living free. You see, that's the problem many times, isn't it? Living free. So people ask and he asked, well, Pastor P, how can I do that? Can I tell you how to live free? You've You've got to realize the power that you possess inside of you. That's what you've got to realize. Look what it says in the Bible in 1 John 3 verse 20. It says, for if our heart condemns us. Have you ever been condemned by your heart? Have you ever done something wrong and your heart just condemns you and and you feel just the, the weight of life and the weight of guilt and shame just upon you and you don't want to lift your head, you don't want to see Pastor P, you don't want to go to church on Sunday, you don't want to even be around Christians, you don't want to answer the phone, you don't want to reply to emails, you just feel completely condemned, you feel cast down. I want to remind you today, God is greater. God is greater. You know what it means there? No matter the horrific things that you can do, say and think, God is greater than those things. Come on, God is able to set you free from those things. He is greater than our heart and He knows all things. In fact, I haven't got this scripture up there, but write it down. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit of God. No condemnation. I want to tell you now, if you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling there's no hope, that's not of God. God convicts us, but for what reason? To challenge us, to show us the ways that we need to change. But conviction always brings hope. Condemnation says there's no hope. 
God doesn't condemn. He convicts. But you've got to realize what's inside of you. Look at 1 John 4 verse 4. It says, you are of God. Man, you should be shouting with that right there because, you know, a lot of people, the labels that they've labeled their life with. Come on, you want to know the label that you are? You're of God. You're of God. doesn't matter your past, the failures, the mistakes. You are of God and you should love that. You are little children of God. And guess what? And you have overcome them. What? Every struggle, every addiction. Every stronghold. Why? Because he who is in you. Notice capitalized he. For what reason? God, Jesus Christ, who is inside of you. Come on, I'm getting ready to preach right now. Is greater than. Come on, say with me more than. God is greater than. He is more than anything that is in the world. Any power of darkness, addiction or stronghold. I want to tell you God is greater than. God is greater than. He is more powerful than drugs. He's more powerful than alcohol. He's more powerful than pornography. He's more powerful than hatred. He's more powerful than fear. He's more powerful than a lying tongue. There is nothing that God cannot break. And God cannot do in your life. But listen to this. God wants to be greater. Or really, the thought is this. God is greater than. But God wants to be greater in. God is greater than. But He wants to be greater in. Where? In your life. How can God be greater in my life? He's already greater than all those problems that I could ever face. But how can God be greater in my life? Come on, say with me through relationships. It's relationship. It's about relationship. I wonder how your relationship is with God. I mean, no, really, how is your relationship with God? I wonder how it is. You know, we turn around and we say, oh, my relationship with God is really great and it's really awesome and things are great. You know what? You haven't talked to God for three days. What kind of relationship would you have with your wife if you didn't talk to him for three days? Some of you would say peaceful. You wouldn't have a relationship. Some of you turn around and say, we've got a great relationship with God, but your Bible's got so much dust on it, you could write a letter out of the dust. Some of you turn around and say, my relationship with God is just where it needs to be. But yet your station and your car couldn't even find any Christian music, even if it tried. You see, we look and we say, everything's great with me. But is your relationship great with you and God? It may be great with you, but what about God? And that's the challenge for every one of us because through relationship, we give him greater access to our life. And I want God to have complete access. I don't want there to be restricted areas in my life. You know, how many of us have got the doors and the closets and the things hidden in our lives that we don't let God go in? Because what if God sees what's in there? I'm telling you right now, God already knows what's in there. And he still is choosing to want to touch your life. Because that's how great God is. We need to open every door of the shame, of the guilt, of the past, of everything. And say, God, I give you complete access to my life. That's relationship. Thank God that you're greater. Meaning that you're able to. But God, I need you to be greater in me. I need a greater walk with you. And I need a greater experience with you. You see, God wants to work in us through his word. Come on, say his word. 
David says in Psalms 119 verse 105, he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's two things that light will do. Number one, it gives direction. He said, it's a light to my path. It directs me. But you know what else God's light wants to do? It wants to shine on our life to expose the sin. To expose the sin. There's been a lot of times that I've read the word of God and I've felt so challenged through what I've read of sin that's in my life. Maybe I've got unforgiveness and I'm reading about how God says I've got to forgive people. All of a sudden it's like the word of God is just that illumination and it just like shines right on me. And it exposes the sin in my life and I have to say, God, I'm sorry, would you deal with that? Yes, it's direction, but it's also illumination for me. It's a change for my life. And look what it says in Psalms 119 verse 9 and 11. You know, the question that we can ask, how can a young man, how can I, as a human being, how can I stay pure? How can I cleanse my way? And the word or the answer of God is what? To take heed according to your word. Notice capitalized the word of God. We need to read the word. We need to know the word because that's what helps to keep us pure. By obeying your word and following its rules. You know, when you throw out that word rules, a lot of people rebel and say, man, you're not going to tell me what to do. Well, hey, choose to live against God's will and God's way and see where you're going to end up. You're going to end up in gloom, doom and despair. In fact, that's why most of you found Jesus, because you were at the end of yourself and you knew you couldn't go anywhere. So to turn around now and say, I'm not going to follow the one who loves me and gave his life for me is utter foolishness. I'm glad that God's word gives me rules because I need some to follow. Do I hear an amen? I need some things to slap me upside of the head and keep me on the straight and narrow. I need to be challenged by God's word. Look what it says. With my whole heart, I have sought you. It's not an addiction problem. It's not a bondage problem. It's not a sin problem. It's a heart issue. That's what we deal with. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. I wonder what issue you're having. Have you ever seen those magazines, the latest issue? I wonder what's on the front page of your latest issue, the magazine of your life. I wonder what is the issue of the month. What are you facing this time that you shouldn't even have as an issue in your life? Let me say that again. We're facing too many issues that shouldn't even be issues because we're living outside of the word of God. And therefore, we're bringing things into our life. You know, one of the things that shouldn't even be an issue is abortion. I'm not going to stay here and preach this, not in my notes. Abortion shouldn't even be an issue we dispute. Why? Because a child is a child the moment it is conceived. It's not a glob of tissue. It's something that's alive. As Kelly and I have been going through this pregnancy and we get reports every week about how the baby's doing and what's happening. It's absolutely amazing to think at the age it is, we're at 18 weeks right now. It's absolutely amazing to think that eyelashes are already formed and things are taking place so intricate. And you think to yourself, oh my God, and people say it's just a glob. That shouldn't even be an issue because life is life with God. But you see how many times we make this homosexuality shouldn't even be an issue. Because the Bible says he made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Come on now. Don't be a hater in the house. We've got so many issues today that we make issues because we choose to live contrary to the word of God. Come on, we live outside of the blessings of God and what he wants. And I wonder what issues there are in your life that shouldn't be there because you just need to follow God's word. 
We need to follow his truth. Look what it says in verse 10. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. It's easy to wander, isn't it? With our minds and bodies. But we've got to stay on the pathway. Don't go down dead end streets. Verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is it that we keep hidden? What do you keep hidden? You keep things hidden that are precious or reserved. Things of great value in your life. Why? Because you hide them to protect them because you understand the value of them. I want to tell you right now, God's word, the fact that we have a manual for life must be of the greatest value to every one of our lives. We must realize it's instruction and life that it wants to give, the direction it wants to bring. This is a treasure map. An X marks the spot. And you know what the X is? The cross of Christ. The cross marks the treasure where our lives can be completely changed. So God wants to work in us through his word. God wants to work in us through his spirit. Romans 8 verse 9 through 11. But you are not of the flesh, but in the spirit, his Holy Spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit capitalized of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him capitalized, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, his Holy Spirit, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you. Notice this, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus wants to be life to your body right here, right now. Not one day when we get to heaven, right here. That through His Spirit, what? Who dwells in you. Capitalized Spirit that wants to dwell in you. Just quickly, and I can't stay here long, but in those passages of Scripture, we see four things right there. We see in verse 9 that we can know that we are His. It says that if, if we are His, you know, we can know that we are in Christ. That's our identity. Say with me, identity. His Spirit wants to give us a new identity. It's not what I was, it's who I am in Christ. In verse 10, we see that the Spirit gives us righteousness, right standing before God. There is a righteousness that comes upon us that the things that we used to do, we don't do any longer because of the Spirit of God. There is life. Verse 11 tells us that the Spirit that raised God from the dead also gives life to us. The Spirit wants to give us life. And the last One that I really love is this, that he wants to dwell in you. Come on, shout out companionship. The Spirit of God wants to be your companion. Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And the Bible is full of examples in Ephesians. It talks about the spirit of wisdom, that he wants to give us wisdom. And I've got to move on, but perhaps I've spent too long here. But I believe that perhaps you needed to hear this today. In Acts chapter 3, and read it when you get home. I'm just going to read one verse from here, and it's verse 6, and it says, Then then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. This is in reply to the, the lame man who said, I need help. Peter said to him, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have. Come on, say with me, something greater. Come on, Peter had something greater that day. He said, I will give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There's something I see in this passage and I've realized through my life and that is this. I cannot give what I don't possess inside. I can't give you a million dollars today as much as I would love to because I don't have a million dollars. But you know what I can give you is what I possess inside of me. 
And we cannot give what we don't possess inside. And thank God that what we possess or what we have inside doesn't have to be something that's earned. It's just something that needs to be received and lived out because God, by his spirit, is giving it to us through his word, through the instruction of his word. Which leads us to our next point. Not only does God want to live in us, God wants to, number two, he wants to live through us. He wants to move through us. Here's the thought. You're a conduit and not a bucket. What does that mean, Pastor Philip? You're a pipeline that is supposed to allow the Spirit, the life of God, to flow along through you. You're not a stopping point. When you gave your life to Christ, it wasn't really just about you. It started about you, but after you're saved, guess what? Now it's about everyone else. That now your life is a through point. You're a signpost that is pointing the way. You're a pipeline that is to take the blessings of God to all those around. We just read Acts 3 verse 6, and I want to paraphrase it. Peter looked at that lame man and he said, such as I have, I'm going to allow to flow through me. You see, if God's not in you, he can't work through you. You've got to have God. I've got to pray, God, move in me because there's a lot of lame people around me that I need him to flow out. Come on, I can't keep it to myself. You see, in God's economy, we get when we give. It's backwards to us. We don't get when we give. We get when we keep. Or we get when we receive. Where God says, no, if you want to get, you first give. How do we know this? Luke 6 verse 38. God says, give and it will be given unto you. I love the next part of this verse because it's like God just shows off a little bit. God says, let me just tell you how I want to give. And he's God so he can just show off all he wants. God says, I want to give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom, not your neighbors, but into your life. And then he goes on to say, with the same measure that you use, listen to me, The same measure that you allow to flow through you, God says, is the same measure that I can get it back to you. Come on, if it won't flow through you, God can't get it to you. That's not painting a picture of excessive waste. People have said, God wants to give you good measure. Press. What about the poor people? What about You've got to realize why God wants to bless you above your needs. God wants to give you more than you need. For what reason? So you can meet another need. In, a, in um, Malachi 3 verse 10, when it talks about giving God his portion, bringing the tithe to God, it says there'll be food in my house. And notice what happens as we give God the first portion. God says this, I'm going to open up the windows, the floodgates of heaven heaven to pour out such a blessing. Come on, I like that. Such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. Why would God give me more than I can have capacity for? Why? Because I need to touch other people. God wants to work in me so he can work out through me. It's allowing the gifts, the blessings, the testimony of my life, your life to flow out through us that we can touch and reach others. You know what? Too many Christians stink. Too many Christians stink. Why? Because they're stagnant. Come on, they're just absolutely stagnant. They have it all coming in, but they've got nothing going out. Listen, if all you've got is an inlet and you've got no outlet, come on, you're going to smell like a toilet. Come on, turn, check your neighbor out and see if they stink. I mean, do you stink? Come on. You know, it's amazing. You know, I like what Dustin said, and I'm going to kill it. He said there was something that was posted on Facebook this week, and he said too many Christians are like manure. They all stick together, and they just stink. 
But you know what you're called to do? You're called to be spread out. And wherever you go, you're going to produce life. Think about that. Manure, when it's put in the right places, is going to produce life. Just a pile of it is going to stink. But we're what? We're called to be spread out. That we can bring life to those around. In Ezekiel 47, there's a picture of the temple of God. And out from the temple, there's a river that flows out. And there was an angel that measured the river and it went out ankle deep and then knee deep and then to the waist. And the angel suddenly realized, hold on a second, there's rivers to swim in. And as a result of a river that we can swim in, guess what? The Bible goes on to say, and every place that that river touched brings life. You know what God's called you to be? His river. That he is so powerful in you that he'll flow out through you. I wonder how many of us are just ankle deep. When there's rivers to swim in. There's so much hope that can come out from our lives because Christ in us, the Bible says, is the hope of glory. There's so much hope that's inside of us, but we've got to let it flow. We're a conduit at our home. We're called to be a conduit at our workplace, at the mall, at the ball fields, that we can bring life, that every place our life comes in contact with, there should be life. When we walk into a building, there should be a breath of fresh air that comes in with us. Come on, there should be hope that people sense. They may not even know. And a lot of them aren't going to know what it is. And they're going to look at you and say, what is there about you? Come on, it's because God is in you. He can now move through you. And he can touch and impact other people around you. Look, God will set, will get it to you if he can trust you to get it through you. And we're not just talking about finances. That's just one way God wants to bless you. But I'm telling you, God will get more to you. When he realizes there's some that's going to flow out through you. I need God to move in me. I need God to move through me. And here's the third point. I need God to move around me. Around us. And here's the thought. We're the hope of the world. Oh yeah, Pastor P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I want you to think about that. We are the hope of the world. You know what that means? That person that's sitting on a desk beside me, who's crying out, who's lost and is destitute. I may be their only means of life. But yet I can choose to be so full of myself and my problems and what's going on in me and not allowing God to move in me and through me and affecting those around me that I can miss the opportunity. We are the hope of the world. I want you to grab a hold of that. Missions is not what we do, just sending money overseas. We do that, but missions is who we are. Who's the people around us every day that needs to have the hope that we possess inside of us? Come on, we can pray for God to send someone else, but we already addressed that. That's our road. That's where God... God has sent us. We need to bring hope into that area. Look what the Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light, no, it's not Pastor Phillips, not Heartsees Family Life Church, but let your light, your light, your life, let it so shine before men that they may see your good work. Say with me, character that they may see the character of your life and as a result of the good works and the life because God working in you and through you, impacting around you, guess what? They are now going to glorify, excuse me, your Father in heaven. You know, so many of us worry about reputation and we worry about what other people think about us. And I want to tell you something right now and that is this. Reputation does not produce character, but character produces reputation. Let me say that again. We worry about what other people think and we think if I can get that right, then my life is right. Reputation doesn't produce character, but character will produce the right reputation. And character is what we are in the dark when no one else is looking. 
and no one else is watching. We are called to touch this world for God. We're called to be the light in darkness. Matthew 5, 14 and 15 says, you're the light of the world. Turn the lights off for me, can you, Fred? I want to show you something. And I know we can't go in complete darkness, but I want you to see something. The Bible says, I am, you are the light of the world. I want you to think about this, that when you walk into work, there may be fluorescent lights, there may be can lights, there may be track lights, there may be window lights. But I want you to realize the place you walk into every day is in complete darkness until you, the light, shows up. Because God says you're the light of the world. God has called you to be the light of the world. You can't be a light if he's not in you, working through you and then impacting around you. Thanks, Fred. God has called us to be the light of the world. Without us, there's complete darkness. I want you to grab a hold of that. So what are we? We are the light of God. But what is our nature? How should our light shine? The Bible goes on to tell us that we are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's the nature of our light. That's how our light needs to shine. And that means constantly being consistent because there's something about a city. A city that's on a hill today is going to be a city on the hill tomorrow. You don't get rid of a city overnight. Why? Because it's constant. It's there. That's the nature of the light that God has called us to. And then I believe the next verse shows us the purpose. So what are we the light? What is our nature to be constant? What is our purpose? What does it say? You light a lamp and you don't put it under a basket, but you put it on a lampstand. What is our purpose? To give light to who? All. Say with me, all. The purpose is that we will give light to all who are in the house. The house is just another metaphor for the road, the people around us, the people in contact. God has called us to be his light. What's the nature? Constant. And what is the purpose? That we can give hope and light to everyone who's around us. In other words, guess what? We will touch people by accident. You know when Jesus fed the 5,000, that was just men. There was women and children, about 20,000 people probably that day. You know when Jesus produced that miracle and he fed everyone who was there that day, you know there was a lot of people who hated Jesus. There was a lot of people who were plotting his death, who were in that crowd. But guess what? They were impacted by the miracle too. It wasn't just the people who were there because they loved Jesus. The haters were impacted too. You know what that means? That Jesus touched more people by accident. Then he touched on purpose. And you've got to realize your life can have an impact by accident more than even by purpose. We can have that person that we're going after. But in the life that we live with God in us, operating through us and the power that he wants to be around us, we can touch people that we maybe not even know, that we can just bring life and hope to them, that we can impact their life. We may be able to touch people that we're not even conversation with, that we may just say, God bless you today. But those words of life could just bring such hope to them. Come on, this such power that's around us. What did Jesus say? Jesus said there's greater works than these. He was looking, they were looking at all the miracles. The dead were being raised. The blinded eyes were being opened. The deaf were being healed. The lame were walking. All these miracles, people who were bound by leprosy, set free. Jesus in the middle of all this looked at them and said, greater than this will you do in my name. What was Jesus talking about? Not the magnitude of the miracle, because you can't do greater than that. But what Jesus was talking about was the quantity of the miracle. 
That you see what happens is when God works in me and he flows out through me, then around me, guess what? Ronnie can be impacting someone and praying for someone. At the same time, Crystal's praying for someone. At the same time, Arnold's praying. And there can be miracles happening on all of our roads at the same time. Why? Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, that wants to flow out through us and impact those around us. Think about the impact we can have if we allow God to move in this space around us. Last but not least, I'm ready to let you go. In spite of us, in spite of me. Here's the thought is this. Don't rob others because of my wrong attitude, my motive and behavior. In other words, God, don't be limited by just me. We can limit God in many ways. We can limit God by lack of of faith, lack of sight, lack of thought, lack of walk, lack of talk. There's a lot of things that we can limit God. But you know, one of the prayers that I pray over my life every day is this. I pray, God, that you would use me to impact someone's world today. But one day when I was praying that and I was preparing for this message, I thought this thought, what if I'm having a bad day? Have you ever had a bad day? So what happens to that prayer when, God, I want you to impact someone else, but I've got a stinking attitude that day? I'm maybe not feeling great, so therefore I just shut myself away and I don't want to be around people. What happens to that person that I need to impact that day? Perhaps we need to adjust our prayer to sound a little bit more like this. God, I pray that you would use me today to bring hope and healing to someone else's world to affect their eternal destiny. However, God, don't just be limited by my words, actions and attitude. God, if I get it wrong, please, God, would you get it right? Now, praying a prayer like that does not give me the license to get it wrong. Doesn't give me the excuse, well, I'm just going to get it wrong. But it makes me realize that I'm human and at times I will get it wrong. But you see, that's why I need him more in me. So he can flow through me. So I can impact those around me. That in spite of me, and when I don't get it right, God can still move. I wonder today where you need God to move. I like what Gustav said on Wednesday. He says, God's word says for us to resist the devil. But too many people assist the devil. We can so easily assist instead of resisting. Oh, there's struggles and there's things in our life that we're still going to have to face, but greater is He that's in me. He's greater than, but He wants to be greater in. And it's through relationship. And as I have God move in me, that's my prayer. God move in me, so God you'll move through me. That God you'll move around me. And God, you'll move in spite of me. You see the prayer that we prayed before this message was this. God, just touch them. Notice who wasn't even included in the prayer. God, just move them. God, move this circle. God, just move that boss and get them out of the way. And then I can get the promote. God, just do this. No, God says, move first in me. So then I can move through you. Impacting those around you. And despite who you are. God can still move. Would you stand to your feet with me today?
like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.